Today's episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast is brought to you by our own Instagram account. That's right. It now has over 300 followers, which is great since we started it only last week. Please check it out. It's just First Time Bible Teacher. That's all you got to look up on Instagram. It lets you give feedback and thoughts on past episodes. Each week, I'm going to be sending out questions about the upcoming week's topic that I'm going to take into consideration As we record those upcoming episodes, I'll be pointing out other podcasts and books on teaching. So it's really not just about getting you to be interested in this podcast, but it's really about being another avenue of helping develop teachers. So go follow it. First time Bible teacher on Instagram. It's great. I hope you like it. Here's Calm Truths. Welcome to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn the basics of Bible teaching, mostly through me analyzing about 12 years of my own failure. Today we're talking about illustrations. This is something every Bible teacher wants to be great at, but illustrations can quickly hijack a message. So today we want to talk about using illustrations well to serve the greater point of your teaching, and that's making biblical truth memorable and applicable in daily life. Everyone wants to be great at illustrations. They are the things that get shared on social media from teachings. They are the things that become little Instagram icons that you can post in different places. They're the things that get shared, the things that feel like they matter the most. You feel really good when you're teaching and you have some kind of really sharp, meaningful illustration that people really like. But We need to be very careful with them. Because they are so powerful, we must be very, very deliberate about the way we use illustrations. Think back to Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility. So what is the purpose of illustrations in your teaching? That's where we want to start. First, illustrations are here to help people clearly see a biblical truth. That's kind of why you illustrate anything. You want to make something clear. We want people to not just listen to and be able to regurgitate back the words that we say about a biblical truth. That's not enough. This isn't a test. That's not, we're not preparing people for the Bible final or whatever that we think heaven might be. Like, that's not at all what the illustration business, that's not what the teaching business in general is about. Illustrations are about helping people see a biblical truth really clearly in a way that they can hang on to. You want to walk people with your illustrations through understanding a biblical idea, agreeing with a biblical idea, and then responding appropriately to that biblical idea. So there's a lot of people that they don't even understand the ideas that get talked about in the Bible. People don't understand grace. Grace is this massive topic of Jesus's forgiveness towards us that frees us from sin and bondage and all that. There are some people that are just lost about the idea like, wait, so he he's not mad at you anymore? Like he's he's just totally cool? Like just understanding that is a big thing for people. So begin there. Illustrations help people understand a biblical truth. Then once they understand it, they need to agree with it. And a lot of times people can't deny what they see working out in real life. So if you can show them some kind of example of this working, some kind of story where your principle was an operation or your principle makes sense, you know, that helps people say, okay, that's not just an idea. That's something that really happens in the real world. So you want them to agree with your idea and then respond appropriately, showing them how the right response to this is to actually work this out and live it and walk it in real life. 
I've heard not to use an illustration to describe illustrations, but illustrations are like the windows of a house that reveal the beauty of the structure. The structure is the biblical truth. That is what matters. That's what builds the walls. That's what creates a roof that makes for safety and real shelter. All of that is the biblical truth itself. The illustrations are the windows that show you how beautiful the house you're standing in actually is. You can't really appreciate something if you're in the dark. Art galleries are normally very bright. We want biblical truth to be bright. We want to let light in so that people can really understand and appreciate the beauty of a biblical truth. That's why we use illustrations. Another reason why is we want to give people time to meditate on a bigger truth. I love using the phrase where I have a lot of ideas that I feel are half-baked. I feel like they need more cook time. Sometimes when I'm in my teaching prep, I'll be ahead on a message and I'll be getting ready for a teaching on Sunday. And by Tuesday, I'll feel like I have all the parts together. I feel like I kind of know where it's going. And I'll tell myself, this just needs some cook time. I need to just let this sit for a little bit. Let this really become a part of me. Then I'll be able to see it with fresh eyes or I'll have internalized it in a way that's meaningful and helpful. Big truths and messages need time for that. Your people did not come to you expecting to hear the thing that you just told them. They may have had an idea about what they were going to learn. They may have had a conception about what passage was coming next. But they did not wake up that morning saying, today will be defined by the fact that I am going to teach and share this big truth. You may have done that. You're the only one that may have done that. So big truths need some time to simmer in people's minds. Illustrations, not illustrations, that's not a thing. Illustrations give people that time to let the truth soak in. So you want to be able to give that to your people. The last thing I would say about the purpose of illustrations is they can disarm non-church people. It is much easier for a non-believer to hear a story than for you to just flat out tell them, here's some Bible text. Like just the word Bible for so many people, it comes with this baggage and history and these uh, these uh, moments in life, these experiences. That's the word I was searching for. These experiences that they may not have liked, they may have liked, who, kn- who knows? They, you don't know what their story with church has been. And sometimes when you bring people a story, that's a lot more palatable. People are used to hearing stories. We have TV and movies and all these different things. We have podcasting. All these things, people are used to hearing and digesting and learning from stories. Even think of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, he taught crowds in parables. He knew, okay, these people may not have the background that I need them to have to really understand this thing that I'm about to bring to them. Let me tell them a story that illustrates this point. It can disarm people and kind of like sneak up spiritual truth on them. Not that you want to be sneaky in your teaching, but you want to be palatable and acceptable to people in your teaching. So illustrations have a way of helping you do that. It's also why potentially if you're doing outreach, you would probably want to use more illustrations. You'd want to be able to reach non-church people with things that they can process and things that they are more willing to process. Not that they can't process a biblical truth as much as they may not necessarily want to, but you can use some illustrations and stories and things like that, and you can win people over to your way of thinking without necessarily just bashing more of the Bible down their throat. That's kind of a messed up thing to do. So for the practice of illustrations, what do you do? Well, there's this wonderful book called Sermon Preparation. It is a mixture of a bunch of different authors, and I would have looked up the author's name or the editor's name beforehand if I had thought of that. 
before I was already a few minutes into this recording. So look up sermon preparation. It's out there somewhere. They have this acronym about illustrations in that book, SEAT, S-E-A-T. And these are the four different types of illustrations that you will use throughout the course of your message. The S in SEAT stands for story. Just something that happened, whether it's far away or whether it's um, some kind of news event or something like that. These different things, uh, these longer stories, you don't want to use too many of them. You can wind up telling three stories in a message and taking up 15 minutes of your time. Sometimes stories take a while. So you don't want to use too many of them, but sometimes a well-told story, a moment in someone else's life, a very notable story, perhaps, you know, you can use movies and different things like that. You can use all sorts of different stuff. Sometimes stories show people a biblical truth in action, and that's a good thing. You want to be able to show them this is more than just a book we read on Sunday. This is real life. So that's one way that you can illustrate something. Is there a story that shows the principle you're trying to preach lived out in action. That's a good thing if you can find that. Another thing is an example. That's the E in seat. There are just examples. These are things in culture. These are little moments that show a similar line of thinking. There's a great, um, there's a great example of examples, which is kind of weird to say. Didn't realize I was going there. In Tim Chaddock's book, Better. Tim Chaddock is a preacher out in England right now. He started Reality LA uh, out in Los Angeles uh, 10 years ago, something like that. Now he's started uh, Reality Church London, I believe it's called. One of my favorite preachers, one of my favorite podcasts, just a guy who's been so helpful to me, even though I've only met him once and he probably forgot because why would he remember that? In his book, Better, which is all about Ecclesiastes and how Ecclesiastes shows that in life we have these longings for real satisfaction, for real hope that can only be found in Jesus. In that book, what he'll do is begin a chapter with some verse from Ecclesiastes, some verse like, uh, for all work and striving, um, everything we have is vanity and grasping for the winds. You know, some sad thing that Ecclesiastes says. But after he gives that Bible verse, he'll then find a pop culture quote that kind of says the same thing. So he'll give you that um, all things that we can gain are just vanity and grasping for the wind. And then he'll give you like that famous Jim Carrey quote of, I wish everyone in the world could be rich and famous and successful and all their wildest dreams could come true so that they could find out it's not the answer. You know, some it's some quote sort of like that. If you Google, if you Google those words, you'll end up getting it. He'll show you those two things side by side. So by giving you this real world example, you don't just look at the writer of Ecclesiastes and say, well, you're just sad. That's not a real thing. When you show it happening in the world around them, then people go, oh yeah, that is a real thing. That's something I can relate to. That helps me understand what you're trying to show me from the Bible. So use examples. The A in seat is analogy. And analogies, you can, they're very similar to examples. And, and what the book kind of recommends here is look for analogies within scripture. If you want to talk about, uh, if you're preaching on Moses, when he's getting called to go to Pharaoh, say, let my people go, do all that stuff. He has this moment where he's speaking with God through the burning bush. And he says, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. And God says to him, you know, I made you. I can make you do whatever you want. If you want to illustrate the idea of God using weak people, people who thought they weren't able to do things, 
you can then jump to David, who was the lowliest in his family, and his dad didn't even welcome him to the party where they were trying to figure out who the next king would be. You could go to Paul when he had his thorn in the side, who you know, thought over and over, just, Lord, please take this away. And God said, nope, I'm going to meet you in this weakness. You can, you can illustrate how God is working in one moment by showing how he did it in a bunch of moments. Sometimes one data point isn't terribly helpful, but five similar data points begin to show you a trend. So you can look for things like that and give analogies. And then last, you can use testimonies. That's the, the T in seat. So story, example, analogy, and testimony. A testimony just shows God's real world power. You can think of real examples in your church, in your life, uh, amongst if you're a part of some kind of bigger church network or denomination. If you're hearing stories from other places, share that in your preaching. That's good stuff. People want to hear that the word of God is not just an idea that we cling to, but that it has it, it has produced and is producing real world results. So show people that. Bring that up in your teachings. And make sure you do not rely too heavily on any one of these things. Mix these up. Don't say, I need to make sure that my teaching has one of each of these things. That's not true. Sometimes an, uh, a truth needs a particular type of illustration. Sometimes it's best shown to your people through examples, or it's best shown to your people through analogies or whatever it is. Really think through which of these four best illustrates your truth and then bring it that way. Another thing about being practical with illustrations is know your flow in and out of them. So if you're like me, you like storytelling. That's one of the reasons I like preaching. I liked, um, I hated doing like big project and big projects in schools. I hated like poster boards and PowerPoints and all that. But I liked when it was just, you're going to get up and, and tell, you know, you're going to present to the class. I was like, I can present right now on whatever. There was one class in high school. I took uh, anatomy and somehow I ended up doing a project on like nuclear power, something like that. I don't know how that fits with anatomy, but I just, I didn't do anything. It was senior year. I knew I had passed the class. I was done. I have not done anything with science since then. So I just moved on and that was it. Um, but when I was in that class and I went up to do that presentation, I just went up and went for it. And I just made up all these things and I felt totally confident just running in the moment. I was like, if you just let me talk my way through it, we're going to get somewhere. And that was fun for me. And I, I still like storytelling. That's why I started this thing that is me saying words into a microphone for about half an hour a week. Like, I, I like doing this. So for me and my illustrations, I like to leave the little of the, the middle, I should say, not the little, the middle of my stories and examples open for me to find in the moment. I want to just be able to react off of where people are and kind of see the energy in the room and kind of go from there. What I do have planned out is my intro sentence and my closing sentence of the illustration. So I will know how I am jumping from flowing through the biblical text to jumping into this illustration. A lot of times it's very abrupt. Sometimes I want it to be abrupt. I opened my message last Sunday with the sentence, one time in high school, I got hypnotized. And I just let that linger for a moment. And everyone was like, oh, really? Please tell me more of that. You kind of want to do that with your illustration sometimes. But I also have figured out what my closing sentence coming out of that is and how that's going to turn. I call that the turn sentence in my own head. 
how is this going to turn from this physical example to the spiritual truth you want to display? So my turn sentence for one time in high school, I got hypnotized, was what you focus on changes the way you perceive everything else. And then we were teaching Colossians 3, where it was about set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So I know my intro, I know my turn, and I just kind of have some fun in the middle. The last thing I would say about the practice of illustrations is try to use them more for your bigger points. Illustrations take time, and in preaching, time shows emphasis. Time spent on a subject shows that it is one of the bigger parts of your message because it literally becomes bigger by soaking up more of the time that you have available. If you illustrate everything, you lose emphasis on anything that you're trying to say. You want to use illustrations to really emphasize your big points. So try to do your best to save those as much as you can for the more major elements of your preaching. So that would be some things about the practice of illustrations. What should you not do with illustrations? This is where things get fun. Do not get predictable with how you illustrate. We have a good friend of mine who's on our our church staff, Pastor Alan Kahn, who has listened to me teach a bunch, who has been very helpful in showing me things that I don't see about my own teaching. Um, he's, he's pointed out some things that I've missed in times past that have been super helpful. He's encouraged me in things that I've done well. One of the things he pointed out to me a good four years into us being on church staff together was that I start every message of mine with a story from my childhood. If you had to like bet your life on what opening phrase I'm going to use to begin a message, it's going to be when I was a kid, dot, dot, dot. Like that would be the one to just bank on because most likely that's what I'm going to say. And hearing that he was able to see this predictable pattern meant I needed to break out of that. And that was something that really helped me. You don't want to be predictable because when things get predictable, they end up becoming useless. So like this is also what I would say about props. There are some teachers that are really good at using props or some kind of physical demonstration to illustrate their point. And that's great if you can pull it off. But if you're doing it every week, it becomes meaningless. It just becomes, oh, this is the part where he brings like a bike on stage and tells me that like the Holy Spirit's the gear or whatever. Like people can just kind of move on from it just because you're the prop guy and you don't want to be that. And speaking of props, I have nothing against them. I don't really think I've ever used them in my teaching. And that's just that's just me. I don't know. I've never like thought about it. I've never made the conscious choice to not use props. I'm just afraid of being corny. So I've stayed away from that over fear of being corny. What I would say for prop using teachers is ask yourself, can I give the illustration without the prop? If there's a reason I need to see the thing you're talking about, then great, I'm in. But if you're just kind of showing me something that I'm already used to seeing, I don't, I don't need to see it. You you just keep talking. Just go. I'm, I'm in for you. Like I'm in with what it is you're trying to say. Don't pull my mind in this other direction with this thing I didn't really have to see. So just make sure you're being deliberate and careful about the way that you're using prop illustrations. They can be great, but you don't want to wind up um, becoming predictable with that. Also, and this is not just with prop illustrations, but it does kind of tie into that. You don't want to build your message around an illustration. 
You don't want your message to be built around, I'm telling this cool story, I'm doing this cool thing. Illustrations are really memorable. They can be very powerful, but we are not here to preach illustrations. We are here to preach the Bible. We are here to teach the Bible to people. That is the main goal. When illustrations help that, they're fantastic. When illustrations take over that, we become entertainers and we stop being teachers. And I'm all for doing things that are entertaining. I want to tell interesting stories. I tell my youth group, I'm going to try really hard to make the Bible interesting to you guys for the next 25 to 30 minutes. And in return, I ask for them to pay attention. I'm all for telling stories, being funny, being engaging, um, using illustrations that people are going to remember and hang on to, but not at the cost of giving up Bible teaching, not at the expense of giving up that main thing that we're supposed to do. So don't build your message around that. The illustration serves the biblical truth, never the other way around. So make sure you hang on to that. And then the last thing to avoid, and this is a big one, do not tell other people's stories without checking with them. Even if they're good stories, even if they're the stories where that person comes out looking really good, like, wow, they were the holy one, or they were the one that was living out the biblical truth that we're hearing of. No matter how good the story is, you don't want to bring other people's business into your teaching without asking them. And if you go to them and you ask them nine times out of 10, they will feel uncomfortable with the idea at first. Do not push them for more than 60 seconds. If it takes them a long time to feel comfortable with the idea of their personal story being shared in front of the congregation, don't push them into that. That's a mean thing to do. You serve them. They don't serve you. You can't teach people who think they are just the sources that you're pulling from. The people in your congregation are not there to feed powerful messages that you teach. You are there to feed powerful messages to the people so that they can go out and live biblical truth. That's how this whole thing is supposed to work. So be very careful. Don't tell other people's stories if they're not interested in that. A few closing tips, and then we'll get going. Be deliberately engaging in your delivery of illustrations. Do not use the same tone of voice when you jump into an illustration. When you break into a story, when you break into some kind of illustration, you can win back drifting people. People will drift. People will begin to think about other things and wonder about the stuff that's going on in their week. It's hard to pay attention for a very long time. That's one of the things that we just know about our generation today, that attention spans are dropping. When you break into a story, when you break into an illustration, you can win back those that have drifted. So use a louder tone of voice. Be animated with your body language. Really focus on eye contact. When it's time for you to begin an illustration, when you do all of those things, you have the ability to win people back so that they will keep paying attention for the biblical truths that you're trying to show them. Second practical tip, tie your illustrations right back into real life. If I'm telling a story, if I'm using some kind of example, I want to ask myself, could this happen to anyone in my audience? Could the story I'm telling happen to the people I'm talking to right now? Sometimes you'll be using like a 1950s farmer was once, you know, using a Model T Ford for blah, blah, blah. That's just a story. That's not something that can happen to your people right now. But if it is something that could happen to them, tell them that. 
tie it directly into their real life. One thing that I love doing is giving illustrations and then listing examples of it. So I'll tell some kind of story that illustrates being generous to a person in power over you. And then I'll look at the people and say, for those of you children, can you do that with your parents? You should. When you're in school and your teachers are above you, can you love them? You should. When you're at work, can you be generous towards your bosses? You should. And I'll give all these different examples of here are places in life where you can live this thing that we just talked about. When people can see the clear link between that attribute of God or that kind of Christian ideal can be lived in that context, people get very excited about that. So give them that. Show them those illustrations and how they apply into their real life, which you can also do by using real-life stories. There's a, a comedian, John Mulaney, and he has a bit about the Catholic Church where he says Catholic churches um, begin a lot of their teachings. And this is true about all kinds of teachers. I'm not just pinning this on Catholics. Where a teaching will begin with what he's describing as like this really vague story in like this very monotone voice. And we can do this all through a message where the example he uses is something like a woman was at a store with a young child. It's like that, that immediately sounds fake. I'm not in for that story. Whatever that's about to illustrate, I don't care about. That's the kind of story that is a, sh a short video on Facebook that my grandma shares that doesn't have really any audio to it and just has like, a, you'll never believe this, God at work. And then it's this long story or whatever. Like, no one wants to hear that. We don't want to give people that. We want to give people real life situations. Now, that does not mean tell everybody all the things you've done great. It does mean, at times, be vulnerable with your congregation. That's okay. Ultimately, when we're thinking about the real illustration that we want to give, our life as teachers is an illustration to the people we teach. Hopefully, we are showing people what it means to follow Jesus. And sometimes that means you have to put your own life on display for people to see. That's not a pride thing. That's not you saying, I'm the only one doing it right. And that's not even to say that all the time you're going to say that you're doing it right. But you should be giving real-life stories, real-life illustrations, because so much of teaching is just about taking the Bible and putting it back in real life where it belongs. So when we do these things, and when our focus is illustrations are taking biblical truth and making them accessible and visible, that is when people will really begin to grow from the illustrations we tell. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast. Please share this with family, friends, prospective Bible teachers, anyone that you think may be interested in this. Not so that this can just keep growing, but so that Bible teachers can be as equipped as possible to share the word well. Remember, we're on Instagram, so you can check that out at First Time Bible Teacher, and you'll find links to the podcast that you could share. You'll find different episode art and upcoming. You'll find links to other podcasts and books and things that have really helped me grow as a teacher. Remember, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher and different things like that. So you can get to them in all sorts of different ways and share them however you want. You can also find more information at brianrhiggins.com for new articles each week that I've written about teaching and about specific teachings. Thanks again for for listening. We'll see you next time.